Many religions shame one of the most basic parts of being human, our sexuality. Unfortunately, mainstream religion plays an intricate role in how many mental health and medical professionals are educated. With this influence, many therapists and medical professionals echo their religious biases. As sex therapists who see things through a non-theistic, satanic lens, what follows on this podcast are the views of these two satanically sexy therapists, and not the views of any satanic organization. We are here to break the shame and educate about sex based on a belief system that values science over religious shame. Let's have a chat about love, sex, and Satan all together now. Hail Hail Satan. Satan. Welcome to the show. Um, I am Tim. I am a licensed clinical professional counselor in the state of Maine. And my name is Alyssa, and I am a licensed professional counselor in the state of Maine and a licensed clinical mental health counselor in the state of New Hampshire. We are both sex therapists, as well as... As well as Satanists. Welcome to our show. All right, so... Welcome. So kind of one of the things I was wondering about today, we had talked about, we've been talking about doing this show for a little while, and I'm really, really thankful that I finally get to do the show with you. Um, Exciting. So I thought, you know, I mean, I, I know we, when, when we were talking about it, I think we were, we, we've talked about kind of exposing ourselves, not the weird way that you guys think, but. Hey, listen. For some people, that weird way <laughs> might be emotionally as opposed to physically, whereas other people might assume physically, but, you know, assumptions. Whatever it is. Um, <laughs> so, um, so, Alyssa, what kind of brought you into the idea, I mean, the idea for you to become a sex therapist? So we'll start with that one. Oh, all right. So let's see, what got me into sex therapy? Well, I'd have to say... Uh, <laughs> Over the course of my career, it's been kind of an interesting development that I have uh, worked with folks from, uh, we'll say, more diverse relationship um, dynamics than, say, like monogamy, right? I recall back in the day, early in my career, working with people who were in polyamorous uh, relationships or some form of ethical non-monogamy dynamic and having colleagues talk about how that was unethical and how these people were being exploited and or how it was part of their mental health issues. And for me, that definitely did not resonate. I'm a big believer that a little validation goes a long way. Um, So kind of made it a point to start being more intentional um, to understand working with populations with relationship dynamics that you know, I was not necessarily taught how to deal with in grad school, fun fact. Um, Yeah, so then over the course of time, getting into my own practice, I found that there was a wave of folks who found me that um, practiced some form of ethical or consensual non-monogamy who identified as kinksters and almost all of them sharing with me this experience of being um, so grossly invalidated by medical professionals, um, behavioral health professionals included in that, being pathologized for who they love and how they love. And frankly, I thought that that was just a big old bunch of BS. and really felt like, hey, let's let's change up the experience for folks because I know how I've had, you know, feedback from therapists come across as not supportive. I've had some feedback from therapists that was amazing because they took the time to understand me. Um, so yeah, I want to pass it on. I want to be the therapist that I would want to have. Um, and I have to say, getting into um, learning more about sex therapy has also been so much fun, right? It just feels so like, ooh, here's all this fun, cool stuff that we didn't learn when we were paying gobs of money for grad school, you know? And this is that, you know, these are the things that make us humans, part of the human condition, 
right? Our relationships, our sexuality, who are we? How do we, how do we negotiate uh, our world with others? And then we add in, how do we view that world? And if it's through this myopic lens of, you know, heteronormative, monogamous, allopathic lifespan, I mean, bleh. not only does that sound <laughs> incredibly boring, but I mean, I'd say that's also incredibly uh, invalidating to the lived experiences of so many people in this world. No, I absolutely agree. Absolutely. For sure. Uh, I think... Um before so so are you i mean do you have do you have more to say because i i i kind of could tell tell my story also so like what if you have more i'd like to continue with you and then we'll then i can go with me sure sure i mean (laughs) i'd have to say you know um i've always had an interest in in sex right i mean i was a pervy little kid i'd sneak out and go watch you know some hb ho or some skinamax and you know when everybody else is asleep um i think i might have mentioned that you know me like 10 year old little me it was like oh so that's what pony play is um <laughs> and not my little <laughs> pony kids um bronies came out way later um <laughs> Like, you know, it, just reflecting on my own experiences around sexuality and how much shame there was, not only from the people that I grew up with, but additionally, even some of the people with whom I've had sexual relationships with in the past, um, certainly in the past, some friends feedback there. And then never mind, you know, getting into the field of, of uh, you know, counseling, you know, and just seeing how much um, stigma there is with regards to again you know sexuality identity sexy stuff um and i guess this just allows me to get you know kind of reconnected with like that that delightful inner pervert that lives in myself that lives in really inside of all of us um you know I would have to say a turning point for me, though, that really clinched like, hey, this is the way that, you know, you really need to be considering to go um, had to be shortly after uh, getting into group practice. Like I just just started doing like, you know, the private thing. And I recall this one particular uh, situation which a client had called for like a pre-screen phone call. And I'd usually do like these 15 minute calls just to make sure, you know, that we're going to be a good match. Um, and this respective call was a solid half an hour. And the reason why it was a solid half an hour was that this person wanted to ensure that I would be a good fit for them and shared with me the experience of going to other providers and being labeled with all sorts of really nasty things like, you know, um, narcissistic or that this person has borderline personality disorder or codependent, uh, you know, relationship issues and all this other jazz. And oh, it's because they're trauma or because, because that they were on the spectrum, that this is why, you know, they like those things. And I was like, oh, okay, this is the, this is the, this is this, that's your sign, right? <laughs> this is the way I need to be going. And I had subsequent pre-screening calls with people who identified as kinky or non-monogamous that ran very close to that um, early on. So for me, that seed was planted, you know, and then I think once I got into like my own private practice, um, that there was more opportunity for me to be able to like explore those things further. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I I think when I got in was... um... So I grew up as a Baptist, right? And so- I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) Sorry, my bias. (laughs) So I was a Baptist that was closeted, I mean, that was a closeted bisexual. And so I remember growing up and like all these, uh, all these Christians, right? Sitting there talking about how much they enjoy lesbian porn, but oh my God, you can't, you can't enjoy gay porn whatsoever unless it's lesbian porn, because that's just gross. Yeah. They and fetishize then, it, right? You throw right they fetishize there, it, though. right? Nope. And, uh, and, and so, you know, honestly, I played along with that because I was undercover, right? Like I didn't want to. I, I felt stigmatized and I didn't want to increase that. And so at the point at that point, um, you know, usually I'm the type of person to say fuck off and just, you know, I'm gonna do what I want. 
but I was so enthralled in um, in my religiosity, right, that uh, I hid that. And when I came out of that religiosity and became more of an atheist, I, I started noticing how much more I was able to be more free with, with my own sexuality. Uh, and then my son came to me and he wanted to, and his boyfriend, who I thought was just his buddy at the time, right, came out and said, hey, uh, I don't want to out Colby in front of you, but I, I have to because... I don't want him to be afraid of coming to you, but I really want to kind of test this out because his boyfriend knew me. He knew how I was, right? And yeah. um, and Colby knew how I was, but he was still really scared because I had been sure. Christian so long. In fact, my both my degrees are from a Christian university. And um, my son, uh, and so I was like, okay, that's fine. No problem. So my son came to me and that... Uh, came to me to talk to me his boyfriend convinced him mm -hmm. and uh so I came out to my son as bisexual before he ever even talked to me about being bisexual I said you know son I really want to talk to you and let you know like uh, and I hope this doesn't lower your opinion of your dad uh but I am a bisexual guy and my son started crying and he said dad I was gonna say the same thing to you and so I recognized that being someone who can be there and be present for for people who are um gay lgbtqia transgender um mm -hmm. kink polyamory being able to be present and to show them that they have a person who has a spirit of compassion to talk to i i feel like that was super super important so i started doing like counseling with polyamorous people and with with LGBTQIA uh, teens and things like mm -hmm. that. Um, and, you know, I was like, and then they got into subjects of, of, of sex and things like that. And I was like, you know, I don't think I know enough about it to really have this conversation, mm -hmm. but I do have some decent books that I could reference you to things like that. And so what I recognize about myself is I need, didn't get the education that I needed, especially going to a Christian university, because going to a Christian at university, like there's human sexuality education was uh, wait till you have married, wait, wait till you get married and then you can have sex. Yes. Right? So pain in the vagina only so you can right, bust out right. some babies. Right, right. Absolutely. When kinky is going to be doggy style. Ooh. Otherwise right. missionary. Yeah. Why, right, right. So, um, so you know, when I, and the, the, one of the biggest problems is, is that trying to live that more Christian lifestyle for, for, uh, even though I was atheist at the time, like I was still going for that more Christian defined lifestyle. And I yeah. was, um, and I was married twice, my son's mother and my mm -hmm. ex-wife, uh, both of who one, one was abusive to me and, uh, physically abusive to me. And one, and one cheated on me for five years and I didn't even know, and uh, when I divorced them, I, I just stopped believing in monogamy altogether. So I actually started uh, researching polyamory. And I because I have I had talked to clients that that were polyamorous. And so I started researching it a lot more. And, you know, then I um, started practicing polyamory. Um, mm -hmm. And I was super, super happy. I enjoy being polyamorous and 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 but but along just like with monogamy and you'll and you know just like with any relationship problems happen yeah. it doesn't matter and so i recognized that and i ended up getting married uh, a couple of years later i ended up getting married to my current wife and i was like you know i really want more of an education on sex therapy on on this 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 uh on these different styles of relationships because i know what i know from personal experience but i would also like to see if I can find more, if I can research more clinical information about this stuff. And yeah, there's, there's not a lot, but there is a lot, right? There's a lot of information if you know how to find it. And I didn't know well, how I to find it. Well, I think that's the kicker if you know how to find it. And I didn't know how to find it. So I found this awesome organization called uh, Sexual Health Alliance, uh, as we are both part of that, right? Uh, that's yep. how we met, guys. That's how we met, guys, just to be, uh, just so you know. Uh, <laughs> but uh, meeting strangers off the internet. Yeah, it was great. Um, <laughs> and so I started, uh, so I started doing class, uh, doing my, uh, my uh, certification through them. 
I'm still working on my certification, but mostly Same. that's my uh, mostly that's my fault because every time I take even a slight break in it, they put in so much more information and I'm like, and they tell me I don't have to reread that information, but fuck that. I'm gonna anyway. So, so I keep on going back to read more information because the more information I have, I feel that makes me a better clinician. And so I just do. Um, and so that's, that's my journey to becoming a sex therapist was really, I just wanted to be able to be the type of therapist that can actually help people with, with things that, they have a hard time uh, talking about because there are so many minority stressors out there, man. Like if you're polyamorous, it's hard to go talk to other people mm -hmm. uh, about that, you know? Um, and I know that from also now we bring into the second part of this question. And that is the, is the, or the second part is how the hell did I become a Satanist? Right. Yeah. And when we talk about minority stressors, we you have to realize that the bare word of saying that you're a Satanist gets almost everybody in the world to look at you like, oh, my God, you're an evil bastard. Right? Oh, yeah. The hackles go right up as soon as you right. say, right. you know, oh, I'm I'm a Satanist. Uh, yeah. And a lot of negative assumptions being made there. But, you know, just kind of circling back on like the what got us into the sex therapy piece, something that came to mind for me hearing you talk was about uh, you know that religiosity component as well and i mean i have history also working with people with um dual diagnosis you know mental health along with substance use yeah. uh, issues and a lot of times the standard for substance use has been like 12 step or some sort of uh modality derived from 12 step which has very heavy like religious undertones in it and i mean i recall working um one of my internships at a place where i remember fielding a phone call from somebody who identified as an atheist and people in the office who were all very like big into 12 step being like well they just don't really want the help then because they're not gonna you know essentially buy into it same thing when you know somebody calls up and they're a buddhist and they were like mm, nope Meanwhile, I'm thinking, well, that's a crock of shit because, you know, if that's what's important to that person. Um, OK, so, yeah, I don't know, coming to see, too, how much, um, you know, like Christianity seemed to like be underlying and in some sense shoehorning um, the modalities that were being provided to people. Absolutely. So, well, yeah. And it, well, and it wasn't just my son, the experience with me and my son that made me want to do sex therapy either. Like I also noticed. And I started really, really paying attention to this because I had a friend in Oklahoma that was an exotic dancer. And mm -hmm. uh, she also, I mean, she worked, she did exotic dancing. She also did uh, online sex work, like as far as like, uh, I don't think it was only fans back then. I think there was some kind was of like webcams. I think she was camming. Yeah. And, okay. and people gave her so much shit. And then we had the whole FOSTA SESTA law passed and all that stuff. And, and people conflating uh, voluntary sex work with, with human trafficking and shit like that. And recognizing that that was based on a very religious undertone, like uh, of sexual shaming. So like, you're looking at these people who are sex workers and yes, some of them have been dragged in by, by trafficking. Yeah. Okay. I, I get that. But there are also voluntary sex workers, right? And so, yeah, and, and these yeah. people get shamed for what they do. And these men, and, and even the men that go to them get shamed for what they do when, again, human sexuality is is, is just a base, base natural thing that we need. And so I think that whole, that whole process of recognizing that you know, sex workers can't exactly go to the hospital or go to the doctor's office or go to their therapist and and right. talk about being sex workers. And so all yeah, of more these often things, than not, no. Yeah. And all of these things combine to get me to say, look, I want to come and help people that other people are not because right. these people are still deserving of help. Right and now, I just want to jump back in and just to clarify and just kind of reinforce to anybody who might have missed what you'd said about the sex worker piece. We're talking or you're referencing certainly the, the people that are uh, doing this willingly, 
right? Correct. I mean, I know we discussed Correct. like, hey, the people, like um, the people, not just the men, but you figure that there are some, you know, non-male people yeah. who, who see seek out, um, you know, sex workers, um, but thinking about, you know, when it's consensually done. And I'm bringing this yes. up just thinking in highlight of everything that's been going on with like the Jeffrey Epstein case. And Absolutely. You know, at the time of us talking about this and recording this, I mean, it was only just recently that, you know, they started opening up um files and releasing names so you know just to be very clear we're talking about people who are doing this consenting on both sides so so i'm going to give you so i'm also going to give you kind of an allegory or or i think it's allegory it's an as if right you know it's a similar okay so sex worker is to um human trafficking Mm -hmm. as as sex is to rape and the reason yes. I say that, right, is like voluntary sex work is not bad, whereas human trafficking is just like sex is not bad, but rape is, right? So right. I mean, you have to. So and, so that's where we that's that's where I di- diverge, right? Like, and I, I would, would say with that judgment or, of bad, not on behalf of the person who is, I guess, on the receipt, not on the receiving right, end, right? right yeah, yeah, right, yeah. No, right, no, no, no. Right. Like they are stuck well, I mean, in this just really like, terrible traumatic situation. Right. Just like we're not going to, I'm not going to vi- blame the victim of a rape. I'm also not oh, going to blame, word, no. vi- uh, just like, uh, so I'm not going to blame the victim of, of trafficking. But I also want people to understand that there's a huge difference between voluntary sex work and trafficking. Yes. It's the same as a volu- uh, as sex and rape, because let's look at what trafficking really is. Trafficking is taking someone's will away and forcing yep. them to have sex, which guess what? That's fucking rape. So human trafficking mm-hmm. is rape. Sex work is consensual sex. There's two different yes. things. Yes. So, Thank you for clarifying that. I think so, that that gets caught up in a lot of people's brains. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, just making sure that, you know, that there are folks that are real clear about what what's being talked about here. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I, I think that's kind of part of the deal. The only reason I even bring it up is because Honestly, because I've seen so many sex workers that, uh, in fact, I've had clients uh, that that came to me with that. And and I wanted, even then, before I even started doing sex therapy, I was treating trauma and things like that. And mm-hmm. the one thing that I kept hearing was uh, people, ta- uh, it was some of these sex workers saying, you know, I'm tired of people treating my occupation instead of treating me. Yes. Yes. I'm like, and so, situations brought you here. And if that's something you're satisfied with, if you're happy with it, just kind right. of fun little sidebar with regards to like New Hampshire. And I know I've mentioned this tidbit to you before, but I dropped this on people. They're like, are you shitting me? Um, so in the state of New Hampshire, sex work has been you know, determined as illegal last I knew. And I mean, I know that there are some legal groups out there that could, you know, speak to this better than I can. Um, but to my knowledge, yes, yeah, sex work in the state of New Hampshire uh, has been illegal and had been illegal for quite some time. Right. And I'm like, OK, from that moralistic, puritanical standpoint, that is still really heavy in New England. Um, OK. You know, I could see that's been a longstanding, you know, lot I don't agree with. However, in 2017 was when New Hampshire finally, finally put a law on the books making bestiality illegal because previously it used to be deemed, uh, it used to be qualified underneath um, like animal abuse that they finally had to create its own, like its own set of laws. And so, I remember reading about that and that particular state rep going, I didn't think I'd have to, you know, back this, but apparently <laughs> we don't have anything here on the books. So, so just so some in perspectives New, there that's kind of fucked up, you know? So in, so in New Hampshire, um, when men were men, sheep were scared is what you're telling me. Uh, yeah. <laughs> i'm sorry man that's just one of those things no right so like oh yeah like, no i i found that to be such such a, a, a an item of contention in my in my brain and i just recently um yeah. participated in the sexual health alliance kink conform certificate program shameless plug um and <laughs> shameless plug love the, there love is the no shit we don't shame it's okay it, it, 
that that's right. Well, I say that very tongue in cheek as I mean, you can see me over here and I'm just like, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but yeah, doing the kink informed certificate program and, you know, talking about, um, you know, legalities. And it's really interesting being, you know, a representative from a, a state um, that is pretty conservative, right? I mean, we might have some little pockets here and there that are blue, like I think you might find in various states that are otherwise red, right? I mean, shoot, look at Florida. But I mean, Miami, Miami's very blue. Loved Miami, I've been before. St. Augustine, to my knowledge, I think that was blue. But I mean, it's like tropical Salem mass. It was like lovely and spooky and warm. Um, but well, well, I mean, even yeah, but being that wrap from like a conservative like environment and having these conversations with people that are like from definitely much more, I'd say like sexually open and affirming areas, yeah. you know, it's like, oh, no, I'm really not trying to throw monkey wrenches into, you know, things that are being said. I'm not trying to be contentious. Please understand, you know, hey, this is, these are the systems that I'm up against over here. Right. You know, I wish that we could be as open as, say, like Colorado or California when it came to stuff like, you know, providing comprehensive sex education, even to adults, you know, like, what, what, yeah. where are the resources around here? Blah. <laughs> when I think that too is like, um, I think that too, it just, that goes to pretty much most places. Like people think when they think of Canada, where I live, they think of like ultra liberal progressive and where I live in New Brunswick is absolutely not ultra liberal and progressive there. It's, it is definitely a, uh, conservative stronghold in, um, in Canada, uh, I'll even go so far as to say we have a lot of um, our federal government um, ha here has a lot of uh, liberals in it. But most of the provinces are actually under conservative leadership, uh, with the Ooh. exception of a couple of places. They are actually under conservative le leadership. Uh, you take Manitoba, Saskatchewan. Well, I think Saskatchewan, one of those two actually just got a more liberal leader but for the most part a lot of your can places in canada are still under conservative leadership um and in, in the states all you have to do is look at the map when steve bernacki brings up the map and you see that 90 percent of the united states is is a red state <laughs> i mean like let's be real about yeah. it yeah um, and uh you know thinking about sex education as it's provided to to youth, I mean, that's been such a hot button topic for, I, I feel like a long time in school systems. And I mean, you know, just just recently, um, you know, having some conversations with folks about how comprehensive is the sex education in the state of Maine and the state of New Hampshire. And I mean, in Maine, I think I might've pointed out to some of our group that, um, that they only recently included consent as mandatory um, yeah. in their their sex education um, curriculum. However, um, it doesn't get into gender identity, um, nor do I think it got into uh, sexuality per se. Um, so, you know, great, it's getting into consent, which I think is a big, like positive move. Um, and I believe that there's still a disservice being done. Plus, it also allows for parents to pull their kids from those classes if they don't agree with it on uh, this ethical, moral standpoint. And I'm like, all right, well, because of your ethics and your ego and your morals, that your child is now going to have a social deficit because they are not going to be living under your roof for the entirety of their life more often than not. Right. Mm -hmm. And so how do they navigate the, the world of relationships? Little Johnny, little Susie goes off to college away from mommy and daddy or whomever's prying little religious eyeballios. And how do that how, how do they navigate relationships as a sexual human being? How do they know how to keep themselves safe? How do they know about um, what their own limits might be? You know, soft yeah. limits, hard limits. How do they know when to say no 
Well, and that's part of the problem. As a, a, a no wrapped as a yes, as yeah. you know, some folks that you know we've heard presentations from will describe that as. Yeah, that's absolutely a problem. But like just looking at you know, the rebellious nature of humans, right? Because we mm-hmm. human beings are, have a rebellious streak, right? So like, if I've been told my <laughs> entire fucking life to stay the fuck out of the cookie jar, when some when, when my You're parents like, not guess around, what's happening? I'm getting it's some just... goddamn cookies, right? So yeah. I mean, so I mean, I honestly think when you have an a uh, sexual um, education system that is not comprehensive, what you're doing is doing them uh, them a disservice because at some Massive. point when they're not when they're not under supervision, they're probably going to go about every single thing they were told not to do. They're probably going to do it, and when they do it, they're not going to do it in a safe way. I was going to say, but, and or they learn air quotes over here. They learn um, from things like porn, and I mean. You know, we know that porn is intended to be inspiration, not education. Um, however, if they don't know any differently, I mean, fuck, I think about like my early education, right? Like I was saying, you know, earlier, HBO, Skinamax, you know, I'm watching like the old, uh, you know, real sex, which, yeah, there is some degree of like education there. You know, but for my little brain, that was more like just exposure to like these different types of play, right? Well, that we didn't actually for... talk. Like my parents didn't talk to me about sex and yeah. or anything like that, other than wait till you're married. You know, and uh, that certainly led me to some really like potentially unsafe, it, well, potentially and unsafe situations, like throughout the course of my you know development into adulthood. Well, yeah, and and also look at this, right? So, porn can be very, very entertaining. I will never take oh, away from absolutely. from the entertainment aspect. <laughs> Pirates, <laughs> but <laughs> but I will Such say, a fun movie. I will say also that porn can set up very unrealistic expectations, right? Oh, absolutely. So, so there are very few men on this planet that's dick is as big as a baby's arm, dude. It, it just it ain't the fucking norm. <laughs> Okay. So, right. so, so unfortunately, what that does is it also sets up a complex within someone's mind. When you watch enough porn and that's all you see, and then you look at your own junk and you're like, well, fuck, I don't measure up. I must not be really a man. Right. And, and that also can set up uh, performance anxiety when you're watching porn and these ladies are all always orgasming. Right. And, mm-hmm. and then you get your, with, with your uh, oh, significant man. other and you're not able to get yeah. them to orgasm. Right. So so no, I get that a hundred percent from the perspective as a woman being like, Hey, talk about that body dysmorphia. Like, you know, God, I feel like there's that, that, you know, uh, exchange from like one of the Batman movies with Bane where he was like, I was born into the darkness, right? <laughs> like, I was born into the body dysmorphia. <laughs> right, right. Absolutely. <laughs> because I mean, with, uh, with, uh, generational patterns there were there were women on both sides of my family respectively that you know there was this dysmorphia like you know we're not thin enough or tall enough or it usually was we're not thin enough um that would you know be this undertone um and then watching porn and the majority of porn that i recall you know exposing myself to these were women that their job is to look that way right that they are models i mean i'm not saying that's all of them okay but i'm saying you know the ones that i was exposed to that i'm like your job is this so you're going to look good right like that would be like nowadays me making comparisons between myself and say like jennifer lopez right her job is to look amazing i mean yes and she's talented i'm not going to take that from her right but i mean yeah, growing up and seeing seeing these women that were stunning and they had big titties and like great skin and you know perfect the, the and, and perfect labia. Perfect labia. Yes, thank you. And I was just about to say labia that tend to be pretty like hairless, um, unless that was like one of the the specialty, you know, kinks, you know, like yeah. hairy muscles, yeah. you know, but otherwise, like this expectation was literally like 
you know, Barbie with some holes in it. Like, right, right, you right, know, absolutely. and looking at myself, I mean, shit, I'm in my forties and now, you know, really working on that whole, like it works, right? Yeah, it does. All right. We're good then, you know, but growing <laughs> up for so many years, yeah, it does. Um, growing up for so many years, like not thinking like, does it work? And am I having fun? And is this pleasurable versus, you know, this mindset that I was indoctrinated into, I mean, not by, you know, anybody's malicious intent, um, directly, um, that, you know, I'm, I'm supposed to be the object, right? I'm supposed to be like the pretty thing that is, uh, you know, being serviced or rather servicing, you know, mm. another person. And, you know, I use that language based on feedback I have received, not only in my personal like life with say family or some friends, but I recall distinctly even having a therapist years ago make some comment about me doing my wifely duties, even if I didn't feel up to it, because that was helping maintain, you know, the, the glue of the relationship. And I'm like, listen, if the glue is come, then we got bigger issues, you know, like, absolutely yeah absolutely and here's the thing if the right? glue is going to result in a yeast infection i don't want it <laughs> well, <laughs> and, 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 and let's be real right like as far as relationships go your glue needs to be something that is not going to die off right i mean let, right. let's be real about it okay like when you uh -huh. get I mean, when you get, I mean, a lot of people, not everybody, because I'm not going to overgeneralize, but a lot of people as they age, their libido does go down. Not always, but there are <laughs> people that it does. Um, or even if they have a good libido, they may not be able to function as well. Right. So, right, right, so right. looking at, looking at like uh, erectile dysfunction or even after menopause, the, the, the yeah. ability to lose, to self lube for women, it, it gets a lot, a lot worse. Well, yeah. Right? Thinking about the hormonal changes that people yeah. go through, you know, throughout the course of their life. And I mean, you know, I will, I will share, you know, it's my giggling talking about, uh, you know, you're talking about the libido pieces that honestly, I feel like my libido has gone up quite a bit since uh, coming off of oral contraceptives. Right. right. And I mean, I was on the same oral contraceptives um, from the time that I was 16 up until like couple of years ago um mm -hmm. and again man like i'm in my 40s that's a long ass yeah. time to be on yeah. uh, a contraceptive and i will say like when they started to try to like change it like, we're gonna lower your dose i'm like cool um it like sent me into this weird premenopausal thing that was just awful like i used to train brazilian jiu-jitsu the last session last class i went to I thought I was going to throw up, pass out. I like my ears were ringing and that was even just during like we're learning the move. Not even we're doing the sparring at the end. I think I stayed for one roll, which is what we call the spars. Stayed for like that one 5 minute and tried not to vomit on my my rolling partner. Um and I think I aggressively sweat all over them. Um and I felt like garbage and right. it was like months of trying to re-regulate myself before i could finally um have the opportunity to have a tubal ligation and uh uterine ablation done where they like cauterize out my uterus i'm like yeah you can burn out my baby maker i'm not using it i have no desire for children <laughs> so but you know going back to some of the morality right and christianity underlying you know some of the health care i've been told for years and years and years that I might change my mind. Or what if my husband wants kids? You know, uh, malarkey along those lines. So I will say once, you know, I was able to have it done. I was fortunate that my providers were amazing. Like my gynecologist, she was bee's knees, the surgeon. He gave me research. Like he, he spoke nerd to me. I love that. And he was really personable, which made it even better. Um, and they were like, yeah, we're going to get this going for you because you've been wanting yeah. this for a long time. Now, they didn't do it previously because these were newer providers for me, just to clarify. Um, 
providers I had in the past, um, there were a lot of affiliations with um, religious groups um, for some of the hospitals that were accessible to me. So there was yeah. that. But, you know, it's funny little sidebar. When my husband went in to get snipped, um, they kept asking me if I was OK with it. I was like, Ooh, is this what that's like to have the authority? I mean, yeah, he's going to do what he's going to do. It's his body, his choice. Right. But wow, you guys are asking me and they drilled him several times. Like, are you sure? Are you sure you're not going to change your mind? What if your wife wants kids? And he's like, sterilized too. This is all just like, just making sure we're uh, buttoning things up, so to speak. <laughs> you know? well, I think that's too, I, I think too, um, and and we will probably do a whole episode at some point on on the discrimination uh, uh, uh -huh. when it comes when it comes to those types of surgeries because like why the fuck are you gonna go in and say well I can't do this surgery on you because you might change your mind on kids here's my thing right first off it's their fucking body they want if they want the surgery done fucking do it that's not your call and right. having children is not the end all of be all of society right it's just not right i have a son i have three or i have two stepsons and i have a uh step person um mm -hmm. they they are non-binary so i just call them step person there you go so so um and then, and we have, uh, apparently we have two grandkids now after, after this weekend, uh, we just had a new one born and that Congrats. is all fine and daddy. And, and, and I am all for children, but it's not the end all be all right. Like, like I gotta say, like, I love my son with everything in me, but I'm super happy and super okay with, uh, him not being, uh, living with me right now, right? Like, super, <laughs> like, like, like I love my kid, but I really enjoy um, not having those parental duties anymore, right? I, I'll be honest about it, right? And so I think people make that too big of a thing, way too big of a thing. But, you know, that, that's the world we live in. I, I get oh, into yeah. conversations about or I get into debates about abortion on a daily fucking basis. But Dude, for years I had I had family members, in particular some extended in-laws, love them all. Um for years, people kind of intruding in on my uterus, going, Well, when are you having babies? When are you having babies? I mean, I remember meeting some of the uh extended in-laws at a funeral of all occasions, and then being grilled at the funeral and at the bereavement meal afterwards about when I was going to start having babies. And I'm going, what the fuck? Like my husband is sitting right next to me. Um, I'm sitting there going, wait, wait a minute. Why isn't he fielding these questions? Like y'all don't know me from a hole in the wall. Right. Like you, <laughs> you don't know me. Um, and uh, no shit. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, how do you, how do you know? I'm like even mothering material, right? Like that's what? making bold assumptions. And for years, man, it got to a point in one gathering. I was like, yo, it's been nine fucking years that no babies have happened. Babies would have happened within nine years if we were intending on having them. Well, oh, that... but you'd have such beautiful kids. I'm like, I have beautiful dogs. All right. I love my dogs. I have beautiful dogs. When I had cats, I had beautiful cats. <laughs> right. Well, like, 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 and here's the thing. I, it all stems to, uh, stems back to the Judeo-Christian concept of, of how life is supposed to be, right? But, Go forth and conquer. But, but yeah, like, like be fruitful and multiply, right? Yeah, like, go forth and conquer. <laughs> yeah. So be like, fruitful and multiply, sure. <laughs> right. So like, but but like for me, now I want to kind of step back into into because we've been talking about sex therapy, but our the way that we see sex therapy is really a lot of it is based on our own belief systems too, right? And and the way oh, that yeah. we see things, a lot of it is based on our belief system. And as a Satanist, my belief system. My honest belief system is the seven tenets of the satanic temple. Um, I'm not a spokesperson for them. You're not a spokesperson for them. 
but these are definitely ethical guidelines that we that we both agree with right so i mean these are yeah. definitely things that that are very important for me and so going back going back to the to belief systems and, and, and so that people understand why we are the way we are can you tell me a little bit about how you came to satanism Oh, yeah. I know we you had asked that question, I feel like maybe 20, 30 minutes ago, and they were just like, oh, sparkles. Um, <laughs> hey, um, we're, neuro, we're, we're both a bit neurospicy, so it's okay. Yes, yes, all the flavor. Um, <laughs> let's see, what got me into Satanism? Well, I mean, I think it was likely going to be inevitable that I got there. So I think about me as a little kid. Um, and yeah, I just really had a hard time, even as a little kid, buying into some of the things that I was being told, um, about like morality and religion. And I mean, gosh, even as a, as a toddler, I think that there was something just inherent in me that was just like, mm, don't think this is for us because I was feral, like anytime my family, yeah, anytime my family would try to bring me into a church, <laughs> like three, four-year-old little Alyssa was just not having any of it. And I would have full-on meltdowns, like tantrums, and somebody would have to take me out. And this was like for funerals or like, I remember some Easter services, one of my grandparents having to be like, we're going to go entertain her at the parking lot. Um certainly with weddings and my family is is historically catholic so i mean full-on catholic weddings you know, like the whole shebang is a, an exercise literally in like catholic calisthenics of like sand sit uh, sand sit kneel um sing i'm just like squat pray give money eat the thing like there's a whole lot happening there that little me and current me wants no part of right um and uh you know it's funny when i came out to my, uh i have two siblings when i came out to my siblings as a satanist um both of them the response was pretty much oh could you put a label on it um <laughs> <laughs> no um I now i know now I know, like, oh, but sometimes a label can help with a direction, all right? Um, but uh, I would have to say, insofar as getting connected with the Satanic Temple, um, and we're both part of the main chapter, uh, for myself, you know, a lot of that's proximity. I am in New Hampshire, however, like, Maine is maybe 10 minutes up the road from me, Um yeah. But I, I, uh, I, I, got, I am in Canada. I am in Canada, but Maine is literally two minutes for me. That's why it works. Right. You're like, I, I just turn and step and there I am. Um, right. But uh, insofar as how I got connected with uh, TST, that wasn't until I moved from Southern New Hampshire to, um, I mean, I guess technically I, I'm qualified as seacoast where I am which I think is weird because I'm like it's an hour out to the ocean for me I, I don't know I don't my brain's like that's not seacoast so again neurospice um but <laughs> but nonetheless nonetheless um I moved an hour and a half away from my supports um and just with some of the constraints some of my friends and family members have had in southern new hampshire um it made it really difficult for people to come out and see me and so i was doing a lot of driving still um and that wasn't really like sustainable for me and you know just i started getting really depressed i was really lonely and where i am it's it's kind of rural um like nowhere well only one place delivers out to where I am um insofar as food delivery whereas previously I lived in a city you know so coming out here lonely not as many distractions so that was interesting in retrospect I can I can say I'm I'm glad to have had that experience because it you know required me to really confront some things about myself and I've certainly grown from it um but just that desire to want to get connected um, is really what promoted me looking into groups. And it just happened to be uh, a Facebook group that 
I came across called, you know, the uh, Satanic Temple, Maine, and just looked into it and said, hey, I'm going to go to a meetup and check it out. Um, my spouse, he was traveling a lot for work at the time. So again, I was I was alone quite a bit. Um, yeah, got connected and gosh, I'd have to say like one of my long stand, longest standing friends in this area, like that's really, you know, we built our friendship on TST and and a two hour ride up to where the meetup was. Wow. So talk about getting into cars with strangers, right? Um, <laughs> she's my favorite stranger. Um, <laughs> she's bees knees. Um, but yeah, and being able to like meet a group of other folks, uh, you know, like-minded, really cool. Um, and kind of got this vibe of like, you know, land of misfit toys you know, that people that have been excluded from, from groups, whether that's their own families or um, social groups whatsoever, because they broke away to, you know, want to live more authentically or their, their views didn't line up. Um, and I kind of had chuckle, you know, when talking with people about it being kind of like the land of misfit toys, because that's kind of how I've described my practice in the past, that I'm just like, y'all accepted here. Come on in. Um, you know, so for me, that's, that's how it got started. And then, you know, certainly reading more, um, about Satanism, it's like, no, these are, these are things that really resonate with me, you know, especially with that piece of, you know, it's, it's what we want to make of it with these ethical guidelines and really promoting, um, you know, that independent spirit, that autonomy, and especially as somebody with a vulva, I mean, you want to talk about bodily autonomy, whoo, how incredibly important that is for me, you Absolutely. know, Absolutely. and having the support around that too, you know, it's nice to have a group of other people who are like, we don't give a shit if you have kids or not, like if you do great, if you don't, that's cool too, like, yeah, absolutely, absolutely, yeah, not getting that when you're having babies. <laughs> like, yeah um my journey to satanism was uh was very long but i too believe it was inevitable um so uh like i said i was raised baptist i actually was so hardcore into the baptist church when i was 15 that i actually uh protested marilyn manson's first concert in oklahoma oh my god i was about to ask were you one of those baptists who were like shaking snakes Poor yeah snakes. absolutely um uh, snake shakers I, I wanted i wanted so badly to be uh, a pastor but i had these feelings of being by uh, 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 or i had i was bisexual so i knew that if i were to ever come out that would just not fucking play um not in the baptist church and uh so eventually when i did become um an atheist um i stopped caring about all that stuff but what but i stayed an atheist for forever and ever and ever man like i i still am an atheist but i'm a satan but i'm a satanist right but but for me um i i think i heard lucy and grief see it say it one time that uh atheism is is uh what was it how do you put it atheism it, it describes what we don't believe in but it doesn't describe what we do believe in and satanism mm -hmm. describes what we do believe and well, I, I think know. that's the difference between atheist and non-theist. Yeah. 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 And so I didn't understand any of that stuff. Right. Um, but, and I remember being in Oklahoma, my, one of my big memories was in 2013 in Oklahoma. Mm -hmm. I remember strongly when they first put the 10 commandment, uh, monument up at the state Capitol in Oklahoma. And it was, and I was so pissed. I was like, look, I do not want fucking religious shit on state grounds. That's not right. That's not constitutional. It sucks. Mm -hmm. And then lo and behold, an organization that I had never heard of before because nobody really had was the satanic temple came out and they were, and they were going, they said, okay, we're going to build a Baphomet statue and we're going to put it on right next to your goddamn 10 commandments. And there was lots yes, of that lots goddamn of, Ten Commandments, <laughs> right? There was there was all of those, all of these different things happening, right? And then uh, Oklahoma finally said, "Okay, fine, we're not going to uh, 
we'll take the shit down, right? And so we ended up, so the Satanic Temple ended up um, not putting the Baphomet statue there. Uh, and then they have this uh, whole story of of uh, the unveiling in the first place, right? I mean, mm-hmm. the unveiling, which is really, really cool. And I I, I encourage people, if, if they haven't had a chance to watch Hell Satan, it's I find that that's a really interesting documentary on on kind of the tst uh stand like stance but that's just neither here nor there anyways back to the back to it i just remained an atheist even though i loved what tst had done i remained an atheist all that stuff then i got into this this really like flash forward quite a few years like almost 10 (laughs) just a few and I get in and I'm and I'm part of this really kooky group of therapists that uh, are studying sex therapy. And I meet this this really interesting person that is also a sex therapist who happens to be a TST member. And she's talking about TST. And I'm like, what the fuck? I remember something about TST. Can you tell me more? That person was you, obviously. <laughs> I'm like, you know yeah over, so, over here just just kind of gleaning so and so at that point uh, i started researching uh, i started researching more about tst started reading uh everything i could about tst read the seven tenants they felt real to me they felt whole to me they felt like me and so then yes. i contacted the tst main group because honestly I didn't know about TST Atlantic Canada. So Maine was really close. I was like, fuck it, I'll contact the main group. And that's how I got started. My starting actually was with uh, another person who I believe used to be the head, but is no longer the head of of that congregation, which is uh, because of some internal sh- stuff that's yeah, been going yeah, yeah. on. We don't need to get into all that. Because shit. you know what? Human humans are messy animals and drama happens and politics. Yeah. But you know, regardless. Absolutely. But still forward. one of but but she's still one of the coolest fucking people I know. So like I I'm good. Oh yeah, that individual's pretty rad. Like so yeah. So um in fact she is the reason that uh, I had posted the uh Baphomet uh crochet thing that my wife is doing for me. She's the one who sent me the pattern to give to my wife. Oh, that's awesome. Absolutely. Awesome. I love that. Yeah. So, so I started embracing Satanism and, um, uh, and while I'm relatively new at it, I have embraced it whole fucking heartedly, right? Like it's, it's everything that I believe. And, and the greatest thing about being Satanist is I don't have to believe anti-scientific bullshit. That's not required in Satanic belief. In fact, the opposite is true. That's right. Anytime I think about like, you know, the the satanic uh beliefs here and i mean it's really like yeah um argue against dogma and arbitrary efforts at like power and control i mean you know be your own person you know the idea of satan as a metaphor for the original rebel and uh protester against you know this mainstream oppression you know experience of tyranny if you will like you know it's just in that spirit of like learn question especially question i'm like science is real science you know like i think what i love about science is that when is that if you can prove the science wrong the scientists want you to fucking prove it wrong right like 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 if it can be fucking proved wrong let's fucking do that right Right. like they're called theories and hypotheses you know not laws and and well i mean even still you know some laws you know they're they're still gonna you know seek to see does that still hold up or you know something else right absolutely so i mean so i think that's why uh so so that's why satanism uh appealed to me and that's why i got into it is is I had an awesome friend that that led me to TST Maine that I started fucking you know uh, researching and shit and and uh, I just found that the seven tenets hold true to my life, man. And and yeah. um, and you know I've always been a metalhead and I've always been into horror films and so so uh, the 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 symbolically dark uh, satanic stuff is is ha- makes me happy right? Like, like it increases my happiness scope, right? So 
Yeah. Oh, well, I mean, yeah, the aesthetic, I mean, it's like the dark aesthetic is certainly, you know, kind of like a little frosting on the cake, if you will. You know, for, for, for me, doesn't it's, hurt. For me, it's the ultimate fuck you to pearly gates and golden streets. There you go. There you go. So, well, I mean, I, I think, too, also, I mean, for myself, at least, you know, wearing wearing some of the things that i've worn it's just it has just felt right right like i said historically you know i kind of felt like it was feral you know i was that kid that myself i didn't feel like i really fit in with any particular group but then tell you what once i started doing that thick black eyeliner i was like wait a minute this feels more like me you know like growing up my parents were like yeah, Elle's not a, a, a Mansonite. She's definitely more in line like Alice Cooper and White Zombie. And I'm like, okay, well, and hey, for the people that are big into like Marilyn Manson, you know, kudos to them. That was their experience. Not mine. I've got my thoughts and feelings about, you know, that particular artist. And, you know, hey, yeah, yeah. they're I'm, laughing I'm, all the way in the bank, ultimately. Um, I'm, I'm I'm not much of a Marilyn Manson fan. I do love me some Nine Inch Nails, though. I'll probably listen to. Oh, I've seen them live multiple times and love it. Um, So much fun. And my musical tastes are so eclectic, right? Nine Inch Nails, and then then on the other side, Dropkick Murphys, right? Like I'm a huge anything Irish Irish punk. You got me, man. Dude, this sounds like my playlist. But then you throw in some delight and grooves in the heart, and I'm just like, oh, we're gonna follow that up with some, you know, Dale. He said that, yeah. <laughs> I will say, I will say that I have recently been listening to a band that I really fucking like that is a sat- satanic band called uh, Twin Temple. And it's because I enjoy the weirdness of satanic doo-wop. It's just different, <laughs> man. Like, it's just fucking different. And like, I have my... I had my client pass on to me Mephiscopheles. I was like, yeah. satanic ska music. Right. Like, and I sat like, like my wife got in the car and she was listening and I was listening to she and she's just cracking up the entire time she's listening to it. She's like, this is fucking interesting. I like it. I'm like, yeah, satanic doo-wop, baby. That's right. So that's right. I, I think that's, that's kind of the deal is, is, um, I don't like arbitrary things, right? Like if there's, if you can give me a reason that uh, you can back up with evidence, then I'll listen to you. Right. But if you're giving me all these rules and shit that make no fucking sense to me and you yeah. can't help me to understand why, then I don't care about your rules much, man. Like, I just don't. Yeah. You know, there's a movie that uh, we just saw yesterday. I mean, I don't know how much, you know, it should be named drop in the movie, but I will. Um, Poor Things with Emma Stone and Willem Dafoe's in it and Mark Ruffalo's in it. Um you know, I, what, just needed, what, I just needed Willem Dafoe. Once you said that, I'm in. Uh, there you go. Yeah, no, it's was, it was really good. Um, and it's this story about this woman who gets um, brought back to life. There's like this little like Frankenstein kind of vibe. If anybody who grew up in the 80s remembers the, the movie The Bride that had Sting in it, it's like, you know, kind of a similar vibe here. This woman that is kind of brought back to life um and is being educated her brain is out of a child but then you see like this progression of her maturing into her own person and what was really cool about um poor things was some of the the social commentary right like the feminism of like hey she wants to learn she wants to see the world she wants to experience things she wants to be her own person and says you know yes i will marry after like I've lived my life because I haven't done that. And I right. don't want to marry before I do that. Um, and just really interesting, like some of the attitudes of some of the men that she experiences, you know, there's like that paternalistic uh, love that you know, the creator has for her and like, doesn't want her to get hurt and is very overprotective you know then there's the love that from the guy that's her fiance but it's more like this infatuation and still wanting to be the support and then otherwise it's very much like being um you know objectified as not only say a sexual being but as like this this machine for procreating you know and just really wild um 
you know, that some of these, these things are still so salient when I'm sitting here going, well, wait a minute, the movie I'm making reference to the comparative movie is from the eighties. And this yeah. is stuff that's still, you know, we're still making commentary about, right? Like mm -hmm. then I'm sitting here going, oh, Emma Stone and her role in Cruella. I'm like, yeah, feminist icon. You get it, girl. You know, Easy A loved that. Um, Easy A was great. Was fucking yeah. great. Oh, um, my shenanigans. Yes. Um, but yeah, like, I mean, thinking about like, again, that idea of like bodily autonomy. I know we haven't gone over like the, the tenants yet. Um, and, and I know that we will eventually. Um, but like the idea of like having one's choice and just that commentary of like, how women are treated and continue to be treated. I mean, even to the point where there was like talking about genital mutilation against her will to keep her compliant and staying within uh, this really damning relationship um, that essentially led to her, you know, it led to the whole story starting in the first place. I don't mm. want to give away too much. I am just going to say, again, shameless plug, poor things go see um especially if you know you, you do find that uh tenants speak to you or you're somebody that just really promotes like independence and free thought and you know that feminism streak in you you know i really think uh and we will discuss like i said i think that's actually one of the things that we're going to discuss on our next episode is definitely the tenants and then mm -hmm. and then uh i think the sexual health um principles yeah, I, I think that there's a lot in line with that. Um, now, I mean, I know that we we are affiliated with um, the Satanic Temple, which co uh, practices compassionate Satanism, which I think next yeah. session, uh, next session, right? There's the therapist in me. <laughs> next episode. Um, maybe even talking a little bit about like Church of Satan, because you find Absolutely. that there's a lot of overlap with people practicing um, compassionate Satanism and um, like some elements of, uh, you know, the Levian Satanism. I mean, now I'm not going to sit here and say I'm, I'm an expert, right? I'm going to preface that off, you know, on the onset. Oh. Um, but I mean, it, it's really interesting to see some parallels. And I know that we just recently participated um, in a, a talk, right? In mm. one of the temple, um, uh broadcast um that actually got into making some comparisons but you know i think that in itself could be pretty pretty lengthy and beyond the scope of what today is all about so absolutely absolutely but i mean you know what i really just wanted to kind of do today is is let people know um where why we do the sex therapy and why we're satanists and and honestly, how those two kind of can combine, how they kind of combine in our lives. And so I think we've done a pretty good job at, at going over that. Um, there are, like I said, there's numerous different topics that that we have already talked about going over and we will get yeah. those out. Um, we will. Eventually. I will say, I will <laughs> say, honestly, like, as Satanists, we're also not real tied to to setting like schedules because that's arbitrary. So fuck that. Yeah. Right. <laughs> right. Um, and yet here we are as therapists where scheduling is kind of a <laughs> necessity. I again for me, I, I I say like not only from that standpoint of like, yeah, hey, professionally, but also that neuro spiciness, like well, structure's good. Not saying that we have to adhere to it, you know. Yeah like nothing set in stone as far as this goes but well it has been a lot of fun for our first episode i think i'm gonna, yeah. wrap, we're gonna wrap up and um Wait. i had a go good ahead. time we had a great time and hey guys just remember like it's really fun to talk about love sex and satan, satan.